From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The Medical Society for the State of New York is an organization that represents roughly 20,000 physicians, and its current president went to medical school at Upstate Medical University in Syracuse. Dr. Thomas Medeski is an internal medicine doctor in Medina, near Buffalo, who focuses mostly on geriatric and palliative care, and he's with me by telephone today. So thank you, Dr. Medeski. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate it. Well, I, I read a quote from you saying that, uh, calling this the golden age of medicine, and so I wanted to ask you why you believe that. Well, uh, I think we have so many uh, new treatment options and the potential for uh, uh, greatly improved care for patients uh, as we integrate some uh, new developments in uh, uh, biology, uh, technology, that uh, medication or medicine is going through uh, one of those transformative periods where the practice is going to change substantially uh, to the betterment of, uh, of our, uh, our health as a population. So we've had some uh, guests on HealthLink recently talking about, uh, you know, personalized medicine and immunotherapy and uh, genetic testing, DNA sequencing, all of those things. Um, is that what you're sort of talking about being sort of transformative? Uh, that, that's a large part of it. I think, you know, uh, the practice of medicine is matching uh, a, uh, uh, first of all, making a, an accurate diagnosis and then matching uh, a treatment to an individual patient. And we are uh, at the point now where we are beginning to develop very, as people have turned it, personalized treatments. I mean, treatment has always mm -hmm. been personalized to an individual patient, uh, but as we'll be able to see what people's metabolism is for uh, different medications based on their genetic makeup and can implement that much more easily than it could have potentially done in the past, uh, I think we'll be able to make better choices for uh, treatment for our patients and hopefully have better results of those treatment plans. So it does sound revolutionary, what you describe. You know, uh, both revolutionary change. and evolutionary. I think we've yeah. been working towards this for, for many years. Uh, but as the cost of some of the things that we will need to do that, such as DNA sequencing, uh, comes down, um, we can then, uh, you know, make the test affordable, cost efficient. Uh, hopefully, if we do that well enough, we'll actually uh, try and start to uh, make care more cost effective as well, because we spend a lot of money on health care in the United States, and I, I think it's difficult to... Uh, to argue that some of that could be redeployed in better better ways. Okay. Well, now, uh, doctors who have been practicing for a few decades, are they prepared and ready to uh, deal with a patient who comes in and, and hands them a printout of their genome? Um, I think that is an area that we have to do a better job with. So we need to um, enhance what we're doing in terms of medical education, um, at the undergraduate, uh, graduate, and postgraduate level. Uh, that information is becoming more widely available, uh, but it's uh, going to have to be um, uh, dispersed more greatly throughout the medical community. You know, we have a very small number of uh, specialists in genetic medicine who, um, you know, use tools to uh, interpret that data, but that's going to need to be done uh, much more widely uh, across the profession. Uh, hopefully, uh, with developments in artificial intelligence, uh, that'll also improve some of our ability to do that on a more widespread basis. Okay. 
Well, you've advocated for HIV testing and treatment of newborns, um, for mental health parity, and for privacy protections as we move to electronic medical records. While you were in medical school, did you envision that you would become like politically active like that? Um, I, I don't think so. Uh, I had some exposure uh, actually through uh, through my parents, who were actually both pharmacists, and I was a uh, pharmacist uh, undergraduate before I went to medical school. And my mother actually was very involved in the Pharmaceutical Society of the State of New York. So I did have a role model there. Uh, But in medical school, I was more concerned about, you know, learning the material, uh, figuring out how to be a good doctor and take care of patients. Okay. Uh, As I got more comfortable with that and then uh, went into practice, um, looked at a bunch of different practice options, uh, thought thought about staying at Upstate uh, initially, and uh, had had a couple kids and... uh, uh, wanted to take a break from education for a while, so I started practicing in a uh, small rural community in Sodus, New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, going into practice, you realize that not only do you have to have the medical knowledge, but you have to have the ability to implement things for your patients. And uh, as a practicing physician, one of the uh, difficulties of practice are, are barriers to care for you to get the right care for your patient. That happens in many different ways. Uh, sometimes there are insurance company rules which, while hopefully well-intentioned on an individual basis, sometimes are nonsensical. And some of the time that I should be spending with my patients taking care of them, uh, you know, was taken away by having to deal with those things. So looking for a solution for those kind of problems as I started my practice, uh, I became active in initially the uh, um, Wayne County Medical Society, and then when I came over to where I am now, Uh, Orleans County. Um, When I uh, began to be active there to try and solve some of the problems that you had mentioned, for example, uh, uh, prohibitions on HIV testing, inadequate protections for patient privacy, uh, I became more active in the State Medical Society and then had some mentors who uh, sort of brought me along and uh, sort of encouraged me to take a leadership role and that's how I'm here today. Okay, great. Well, can we talk about the role that um, the Medical Society for the State of New York plays in creating health policy in New York? Sure. Uh, that is uh, probably our, our, our uh, uh, primary focus is uh, on improving the care of patients and um, the practice of medicine within the state. And that has many different aspects. As we talked about, we, we look at different um, impediments to patients getting care, whether that's insurance-driven other regulation-driven uh, social determinants of health, which are, are becoming more and more identified as issues in patients uh, uh, getting care and complying with care. Uh, we also look at uh, various public health policies. So two of the issues that um, uh, are important uh, issues for us this year are end-of-life care uh, and questions about you know what the role of physicians are Uh, in caring for people at the end of life, and should they uh, participate in physician-assisted suicide. Mm. Uh, The other major issue that is uh, on the uh, 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 very topical right now is uh, marijuana, Uh, both uh, medicinal use and the state's plan now to move forward with legalization. Uh, The Medical Society has, again, with our 20,000 members, we have content experts in pretty much everything. Uh, and if we don't have individual content experts within the society, we have relationships where we can um, get that uh, information that we need. 
um, we come together as physicians and figure out what the science is and then try and decide what the best thing is for our patients. Uh, sometimes that's not one thing. Uh, so sometimes there's a lot of nuance to our positions and how we approach things. Uh, this past week, um, we've been uh, dealing with the issue of uh, medical marijuana, and the state has now uh, uh, proposed some emergency resolution, uh, uh, emergency uh, activity to the Department of Health to um, uh, allow it for use for acute pain and for treatment of opioid use disorder. And uh, we have concerns that there's really not uh, um, a lot of well-substantiated data to support those uses. So we've had some meetings with the health department to express our concerns. Uh, we will make um, you know, more uh, comments in the public comment period uh, as the regulations are being reviewed. Uh, because we have some concern that we may be going with marijuana down the path we went with opioids uh, 20 to 30 years ago. So there was uh, a small amount of data and expert opinion uh, that opioids could be used more widely, and uh, that was implemented uh, based on small amount of data, expert opinion, and then driven by an industry uh, so that uh, the use of opioids was greatly increased. And while it was true for some patients that those things were possible, it looks like uh, we overestimated uh, both the efficacy and uh, underestimated severely the uh, adverse uh, consequences for individuals and for society. And uh, again, uh, we have concerns that there is a similar scenario uh, uh, potentially occurring with the uh, increased uh, acceptance and use of marijuana. And, and again, this is, uh, this is an area where there is uh, disagreement uh, and differences of opinion, uh, but we try to get together for the hard data and see, uh, see what we can do to uh, uh, give patients uh, accurate information so that they're not harmed by overuse or misuse. Well, I have some more questions on that, but let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Thomas Majeski, the president of the Medical Society of the State of New York and a graduate of Upstate. Um, so we're talking about medical mar- marijuana, right, that, which is we're already approved? We're talking about medical marijuana specifically. Okay. Not, not recreational. Think, right. I think recreation and, and uh, legalization is a related but different area. But so that's also like something the state's... comments just now were regard to expanding the use of medical marijuana uh, as a treatment option for opioid use disorder and for acute pain. Okay, gotcha. Um, we have particular concerns about the opioid use disorder because uh, if, if you have uh, multiple different treatment options, uh, you want people to use the most effective options. And we have very good data, uh, which has evolved as part of our dealing with the opioid crisis, that medication-assisted treatment with either uh, buprenorphine or methadone is very effective in treatment of um, uh, opioid use disorder and also reduces uh, deaths from, uh, from uh, misuse. Uh, so uh, that data just is not there as far as we can see uh, with, uh, with uh, medical marijuana. And Again, the concern is that uh, if you have an ineffective treatment and you are promoting it as possibly being effective, people will uh, miss opportunities or avoid other treatments which are more effective. Okay. Well, I understand you've convened a task force to look at improving the care of patients at the end of their lives. So can you talk about what the current situation is and what you'd like to see done to improve it? 
Yeah. Um, so um, uh, I, I think one of the things uh, I learned as they came through uh, the organization and uh, 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 became one of the leaders of the organization is, is uh, uh, that I had uh, some ability to bring people together to uh, try and, um, again, hash out difficult topics. And I think one of the uh, difficult topics that uh, society is also dealing with and New York is dealing with is uh, uh, physician-assisted suicide or um, also termed aid in dying. Uh, there, uh, again, there are probably, uh, there, there are difficult to reconcile positions on both sides of the issue. Uh, and I don't know that they are actually reconcilable. So. Uh, what I had hoped to do after trying to engage with uh, both sides of the discussion was to put together a task force that would look at what we can do to improve end-of-life care for everybody in this state and what we can do to um, uh, improve mm -hmm. particularly the care of patients as they're dying. We have um, a number of tools uh, to uh, get patients uh, the right care uh, when they're dealing with a terminal illness or towards the end of their natural life. And uh, my personal experience as a hospice director, uh, as a family member of a dying patient, is that they're, they're not utilized as well as they, they should be. So um, based on those discussions uh, uh, and concerns from the uh, uh, advocates for physician-assisted suicide, uh, I put together this task force to see where we could come together, hopefully, and move the care of everybody forward, and also try to address uh, the issue of uh, assistance with dying. Um, so, uh, so the task force has just had their initial meeting. Uh, it is uh, actually going to involve all the, the different subcommittees that we have at MISNI, and we have some on bioethics, obviously, will be involved. We have a long-term care committee. Uh, we have a uh, committee on uh, psychiatry and addiction medicine. Um, we have a socioeconomic committee that looks at uh, coverage issues, implementation of care, things like that. So uh, the uh, directors are uh, two well-respected uh, physicians in New York State, Dr. Jeffrey Berger, uh, who is at uh, New York University, and Dr. John Mays, who is a uh, former uh, um, governor of the American College of Physicians in New York State. So uh, they just had their first meeting. They've uh, sort of assigned their their work to the various areas that we're interested in. And over the next six to nine months, we hope to have uh, uh, those uh, work groups come back with recommendations for what we can do to improve things for everybody. Well, that's good to know. Uh, before we run out of time, I wanted to ask about if you can talk about some of the single-payer proposals are, that are in the assembly and whether they have a shot at gaining acceptance. Uh, so um, single-payer is something that we've looked at over a number of years, um, and we're, we're re-looking at it and re-engaging as the conversation has, uh, has ramped up uh, recently uh, with political developments over the last couple of years. So uh, I've uh, had uh, uh, meetings with Assemblyman Gottfried, although not yet over uh, this specifically. We've had some general discussion, but we plan on uh, uh, meeting with him hopefully uh, uh, through the summer and early fall to relook at his proposal. Uh, the uh, financial parts of it are not well fleshed out and uh, have concern, again, about whether it's, it's implementable as is. Um, 
we in we I, our current policy is for the medical society is we are more for pluralism where patients have different options for different care systems that best fit them. Uh, I don't know that that will change, but we look at those things periodically, and if there is a movement to change that with the society, we would change our policy. Uh, I, I think we are open to more of a public option, whereas to say, there, you know, if the state wanted to do its own health plan as an alternative to the existing systems, I, I think we would be more interested in something like that, but we've not finished our internal discussions on that. Um, we do have a little bit of experience with single-payer in this country, and the, the two areas that uh, I personally have experience with are uh, workers' compensation in New York State, uh, which is um, not a user-friendly system. It's uh, often very frustrating to patients and uh, often frustrating to physicians in terms of trying to get care for their patients. And um, uh, I have concerns that in a similar system uh, we would have similar issues. Uh, the other uh, single payer that we have in this country is the Veterans uh, Administration. And uh, the Veterans Administration does some great things and uh, satisfies, I would say, uh, at least 50% of their patients. Uh, but I will tell you, based on my personal practice, I see a number of veterans in my office every day who, for whatever reason, do not wish to be cared through the VA system. And as you've seen in the press over the last couple years, there are some significant access issues. Um, so so I, I have concerns that if we go down that road, we would have similar issues. Okay. Uh, my hope is uh, that we'll have uh, discussions with the legislature. Uh, if it is going to move forward, we would look to work with them to make it as uh, friendly to patients and physicians uh, so that we can spend time with our patients as opposed to on the phone with a clerk to get an MRI or to uh, uh, spend time filling out electronic or paper forms. Okay. Well, before I let you go, um, I was going to ask, uh, tell me what you miss most about your time in Syracuse. Uh, um, we, we lived in Syracuse for about 10 years, so uh, uh, had a great time there. I met my wife there my uh, first day of medical school. Oh. Uh, and we got married at the when I finished medical school and have had, uh, that's been probably the joy of, of my life, my wife and my children. Um, the other uh, folks that I miss are, are people from my medical school class who I stay in touch with a few of, and, uh, more, and also my residency particularly. And I was actually uh, able to see one of my good friends, uh, Dr. Nisha Min, who's moved back to uh, uh, Syracuse. He's uh, the chief of the uh, cath lab at St. Joe's. Uh, to reconnect with him after about 10 years. Uh, so I, I think the friendships and the, the camaraderie are what I miss the most. And um, uh, one of my columns uh, over the last week or two was to uh, encourage our members to, you know, reconnect with their friends and the people that matter most to them. Uh, and that would be my uh, other encouragement for the other listeners, that, you know, if you haven't seen somebody that you love uh, and uh, talked to them in a while, you should do that makes them feel better, makes you feel better. Well, thank happy you. physicians make for happy patients. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. My guest has been Dr. Thomas Medeski, an Upstate Medical University graduate and now the president of the Medical Society for the State of New York. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.